What is going on, Wellspring? Welcome to our online service. Uh, I'm so excited for you guys to be here. I'm excited um, for me to be here. Any chance that uh, Pastor Jason gives me to preach um, is such a blessing. I love Sunday mornings um, and online services. Any moment that I get to spend with the Wellspring Church body, um, that moment is just always a blessing for me. You know, church has been something that I've been at my entire life. I've always gone to church through different seasons. There were times that I definitely didn't want to be there. You could target like those teenage years. Um, But just recently, you know, throughout pandemic, church has become something that has been so important to me because, you know, we go through the week and, and every week we just spend like picking up new burdens, picking up new fears, picking up new doubts throughout the entire week. And for the past couple of months, it's felt like every time I come to church or every time I sit down for an online service, I'm just like, God, like, like today's so pivotal for my life because I really need you just to do something today. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I got this whole bag of stuff that I just need to like lay down at your feet today. And in the past, I'd always looked at church as like a time to like get re-energized and refocused and pushed out for that next coming week. But over these past couple of months, it feels like it's more about me unloading from the last week to get to the next week to do whatever God has for me that week. So I know a lot of you right now, you might be watching from home and there are distractions going on. There are things that have been brought into your life over the past couple of days that you're just like, man, I just can't distract myself from any of this. I can't take any of this off of my mind. So I just wanted to open up this morning and just take a moment of prayer to take some deep breaths and just to pause before God and say, God, this moment is yours. I'm watching this video right now because I want to give this time to you, Lord, please take away the distractions. So dear God, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that I even had the ability to wake up and watch this, Lord. I thank you that whatever's going on, I know that you're with me. I know that you're bigger than whatever I'm facing today, Lord. And right now, I just pray that any burden that is on our shoulders, any thought that is in our mind, Lord, any anxiety that's in our heart, anything that we might be feeling right now that is the opposite of what um, you want us to feel or the opposite of what your intention is for us right now, Lord, that every distraction would just be secondary to the word that you're about to speak to us, Lord. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds, Lord, and just speak to us today. In this moment, this time is yours. I give it to you. I offer it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a Christian, and when I say Christian, I mean Christ follower. That's what I am. That's what you are. We're Christ followers. And as a Christian, we get to live this life. And I like to think I get to be a little more optimistic than other people. You know, I, I, I always have this like thing like, you know, if I die... I know where I'm going. If I die, I know I'm going to end up in heaven. Like, I can be a little more optimistic about life. But I found throughout pandemic, there were a lot less things to be optimistic about. It was so funny to me, the things that when, you know, when our lives get stripped back, when everything that we're normally doing starts to get stripped back and taken away from us, it's funny what we start to put our joy in, isn't it? Like, I get happy over the weirdest things now. Like, I remember during pandemic, my mom, she would go to the supermarket every single morning just hoping there would be toilet paper. And the day, I remember the day she went to ShopRite and she showed up 
and there was toilet paper there. And she's sending pictures to, uh, of the toilet paper to all of her friends. She's like texting the family group chat, like, listen, like, I got toilet paper. It's got the bear on it. It's two ply. Like, we're wiping good. Like, we got the toilet paper. And we, we had a whole stack home. But when everything gets taken away from you, when everything gets stripped back, it's so funny the things that we find joy in. We were finding joy in toilet paper, hand sanitizer. I remember when Sunday's ice cream opened, I'm like, man, like, I'm getting there every single day. Like, anything that we can get when we're stripped back to bring us pleasure. It was so funny. Um, one of the things, I don't know if C or ESPN like, had this knowledge that um, the coronavirus was coming over here, but it was the first or second week of, um, of coronavirus, of pandemic, and they released this like 10-part documentary series about Michael Jordan. And growing up, Michael Jordan was like my, my hero. And you, you might say you, you look young to be loving Michael Jordan, but growing up, my dad was my coach for basketball. I played basketball at Lacey Township High School. I went on to play at Colorado Christian in college. And growing up, my dad was my coach, right? And he would always tell me about two different players that I needed to watch growing up. So I would watch highlights. I would watch clips or old games of different players. One, it was Patrick Ewing. We're big Knicks fans. If you're from Jersey or New York, you know about the New York Knicks. And if you're a fan of the Knicks and you don't know Patrick Ewing, you need to do um, some history checking. You need to check Google. So Patrick Ewing, I'd be in the driveway practicing moves with my dad. We'd be doing the, the Olajuwon dream shake. We'd be doing hook shots, everything Patrick Ewing. Everything that Patrick Ewing did, I did. And the other player that he would always point me to was Michael Jordan. And he'd always sit there and be like, man, like, I wish you could have watched him with me. I, I wish you could have grown up watching Michael Jordan. <laughs> it would have been so much fun for us to spend that time together just watching those games. Like, you don't even understand how much of an icon Michael Jordan was. And throughout pandemic, they released the series, The Last Dance, and it was a 10-part documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls throughout the 90s. And every Sunday night, I mean, we were on lockdown, so every Sunday night from 9 to 11, they would air two episodes, and me and my dad were just able to have this bonding time, just being able to sit there and just watch Michael Jordan be amazing, be the greatest player of all time like he is. And... That was so special to me to be able to have that time. I found so much joy in that. And, you know, while I was watching um, this documentary, something really stuck out to me. And, you know, in between all the championships, in between all the games won and the stories told, um, there was something that really stuck out to me, and it was a T-shirt that Scottie Pippen and Ron Harper were wearing in the background of one of the films. So the 96 Bulls, they had won, 80, uh, they had won 72 games and lost 10. So they were 72 and 10. This was the best season record, regular season record of all time. They had the best scorers. They had Dennis Rodman, the best defender and rebounder. They had Scottie Pippen, the best number two man of all time. They had Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time. Phil Jackson, the best coach of all time. And it was, they had all of this success in their regular season. And they go and they're filming one of the practices. And Scottie Pippen is wearing this shirt. And it says 72 and 10. And then it says, don't mean a thing without the ring. And this saying really hit me for a second because what Scotty was saying was he was attacking a perspective. He was attacking this perspective of, you know what, I'm going to settle for what I have. I'm going to settle to find joy in the regular season when we know that the ultimate goal is the championship. It don't mean a thing without the ring. It's attacking this perspective of us settling for something less than what the ultimate goal is. You see, I think we do this a lot, that we settle to find joy in things that maybe we shouldn't even be finding joy in, or maybe there's bigger things for us that we're stopping and looking at 
things at this level to find joy in them. When we're so stripped of joy and fulfillment in our lives, we end up chasing anything that'll give us that temporary satisfaction. And this quote is attacking that perspective. It don't mean a thing without the ring. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10 today. And this passage for me is a passage that Jason assigned me a year ago. And I didn't even know it existed when he gave it to me. And as I started studying it, as I started reading it, um, it's really become a passage in my life that has really just changed my perspective overall on the way that I live my life. And I really think that it's going to do the same for you um, throughout this message. And where we pick up is where um, the 72 return. So prior to this, Jesus had sent out 72 people out on a mission, and their mission was to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven was near. So he sent out 72 people. They were in pairs of two. They were supposed to go to different cities. They would walk into a city, and they say, the kingdom of heaven is near. And based on their response of the city, they would stay there and heal people. They would stay there um, and heal the sick and pray over people and, and talk to them about Jesus. And what would happen if they wouldn't? Jesus said, just wipe off your feet and keep on moving. So now where we pick up today is when they return with the results. And I actually love this because they never actually talk about the results. They don't talk about the numbers. They don't talk about how many people got saved. But through their reaction, you can see how they were feeling. So Luke 10, verse 17, says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons are subject to your name. I love how they're, they're surprised. They're, su they're surprised in their voices. They got sent out on a mission. They got sent out to deliver a message. They didn't expect to see demons. They come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Did, did you know that? Demons? No one said anything about demons. Jesus, I was just going on mission for you. I didn't know the roadblock that I would come across. I didn't know that when you were talking, I looked back at my notes when you were preparing us for this mission. And you were talking about sheeps and wolves. You were talking about all these different things. I had no training. I wasn't equipped. I wasn't prepared. Nothing in me made me feel prepared for when I was on mission and I came across a demon. You didn't tell me that this issue would show up. Jesus, I'm on a mission for you, and I don't feel adequate. I don't feel prepared. I was reading my instructions, and it wasn't there. But Jesus, you knew it was there. You knew it was coming. I didn't know what was coming, but you did. I wasn't prepared for the demons, but you were. How many times can we look back at our life and say, Jesus, I wasn't prepared for corona, but you were. Jesus, I wasn't prepared for that relational struggle, but Jesus, you were. Jesus, I wasn't prepared for the loneliness that I was going to experience when I moved across the country, but Jesus, you were. I wasn't prepared that when I answered your calling, Jesus, I wasn't prepared that when I went out today for the CKA with Wellspring Church, I wasn't prepared for the guy with the broken down car. I wasn't prepared for this roadblock, but Jesus, I wasn't prepared. You were. How many times in life does God ask, to ask us to walk in obedience to what he says? He asks us to follow his mission, follow what he set before us, and we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what trials we're going to face. We don't know what situations we're going to need to endure. Yet when we rely on him and his strength, we can look back and we can say, Lord, even the demons were subject to your name. Lord, even the anxiety in that time was subject to your name. Lord, I didn't know how I would get through the doubt that I was experiencing. I didn't know how I would get through the fear I was experiencing. I didn't know that the depression would feel like this, Jesus. But now I know because I lived in your strength that, Lord, even the depression is subject to your name. Everything that I 
went through is all subject to your name. I want to point out, they came back with joy, not in what they had accomplished, but what God had accomplished to them. They said, Jesus, even in your name, they are subject to us. Not in my name, not in my strength, not in anything that I can do. But I look back and I say, Jesus, it was you that was there with me. And I did so much through your name. And because of that, I have joy. I used to grow up and I used to hear this saying all the time. And it'd say, God won't put you through anything that you can't handle. And I was like debating with this with myself. And I'm like, you know what? I think there's a lot of things that I've gone through in my life that I know for a fact I cannot handle. I cannot handle, <laughs> I could go on for 20 minutes about things that I cannot handle, but I think what the saying is supposed to say is that God won't put you through anything that he can't handle. You see, because when we are weak, God is strong, and when we can't, God can. So I think that our perspective might need to change a little bit from God won't put me through anything that I can't handle to God won't put me through anything that he can't handle because he goes before us in his strength. We are strong. Because of their obedience, they returned full of joy. Verse 18, moving on. Now I love this because this is Jesus's response to them. This is how Jesus responds to them. After they're coming back, they're all excited. They're pumped up. They're like the boys after the game in the locker room. Like, we just defeated the demons. And now Jesus' response, and this is his boys coming back. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. <laughs> I love how Jesus is witnessing their excitement and saying, I can get excited for this. I can get in on this. You know, you saw the demons get beat up. I saw their master get beat up. Imagine how cool that was. Everybody's getting all riled up. We're having fun here. It's cool because he's building this excitement. He's saying, I watched their leader be struck out of heaven like lightning. He stood no chance against our God. It's no surprise to me how much power you had over these demons. You see, a lot of people don't know this, but the Bible teaches that Satan was actually God's most powerful and most beautiful angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. And Lucifer was struck down from heaven like lightning. We're going to look in Isaiah 14 real quick, verse 12 through 14, 15. He says, how you have fallen, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations, you set it in your heart. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the outmost heights of the Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Isaiah is speaking directly at this situation going on in heaven where, where Satan wanted to count equality with God. He wanted a throne like God. He wanted power like God. And he allowed his pride to get in the way. And in a glimpse of an eye, in a second, in a strike of lightning, he was sent out of heaven down to the realm of the dead. I think it's so interesting that when we see Satan show up on the scene in the Bible, after being sent down to the realm of the dead, we see him show up in Genesis 3 on the earth. The first, time we see Genesis, the first time we see Satan in the Bible is Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve are walking in communion and perfect relationship with, with God. And they're naming the animals, and they're eating from the trees, and they're doing everything just as they're supposed to. And here, Satan being sent out of heaven down to earth decides to disrupt what God has going on. 
So he puts doubt into the woman. He puts doubt into Eve. And Eve and Adam eat from the fruit and sin. And what happens then? They are fully separated from God. Because of their sin in the garden, God has now separated them from himself. He was cast down from grace. He was cast down from heaven. He was sent down to the realm of the dead, which is earth, where all things will eventually die. Even the world itself we see is deteriorating. I think Jesus is recounting this moment for two times because I think it's really interesting that he chooses this exact precise event to get his boys pumped up, to get more, to build the excitement. And I think there's two reasons for that. One, Jesus is God. If Jesus is witnessing Satan fall like lightning, that means that it was either during Genesis, the creation of the world, or it was prior to Genesis, the creation of the world, which means that Jesus was there from the beginning of time. So he's counting that equality with God. I am God. I saw it from the beginning. You know what that also means? If Jesus was there in the garden to witness Satan fall like lightning from heaven, that means that Jesus has seen God defeat evil over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. For thousands of years, he witnessed the seas get divided. He witnessed David take down Goliath. He witnessed all of this. And what he's saying is, you saw the demons get cast out? I've seen God perform miracles for thousands of years. We know his power. You shouldn't even be this surprised at the fact that God can do this. We've seen him do it and we'll know he'll do it again. He says, behold, verse 19, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power over the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. The power that lives in me, I have given to you. Stop acting surprised when you have victory in my name. Stop acting surprised when you have success in my name. Have you not read the scriptures? Do you not know what my God has done, what my father has done? Do you not know my ability? Do you not know my authority? Why are you so excited (laughs) to see this? Why are you so surprised to see this? Do you not know how good your God is and how powerful he is over the enemy? I gave you that authority. I gave you that ability. I gave you that promise. I gave you that desire. All things that you do are through my strength. All success that you have is through my strength. All authority that you have comes from me. I gave you the desire. I gave you the authority. I gave you the promise. I gave you the giftings and the blessings that it took you to fulfill the will of God. You shouldn't be surprised when you succeed in my name. You shouldn't be surprised when you start walking in the will of God how easy it gets. You shouldn't be surprised how much joy your life can have when you're living in the will of God and when you're doing what God is asking you to do. Now, Jesus is coming for that perspective changer right here. He's about to drop a bomb on all of them. He decided, you know what, you guys are excited. I'm going to build you up too. Let's get a little more excited and then I'm going to crush your little world right here. Jesus says in verse 20, he says, nevertheless, meaning in spite of all of that, I know it's cool. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. What do you mean? Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I know you're excited, but I got a problem here because you're still celebrating about the regular season, and we know it don't mean a thing without the ring. Why are you celebrating the temporary victory when you know that your eternity is secured in heaven? Do you not know how good your God is? Do you not know that you don't deserve it? Do you not know how great heaven is and what it's like to be in the presence of God. How can you celebrate something so small when we have something so big to be proud of, something so big to be joyful over? Jesus knew if they found their joy in a battle that was won, that they would lose it in a battle that was lost. He knew that if they found joy in success, that they would find depression in failure. 
Jesus said, don't live for temporary battles. We got something much bigger that we can rely on for our joy. Jesus is saying there's something bigger than that. There's something bigger than that. You can find joy in something that's forever guaranteed. You can find joy in something that never changes. You can find joy in something that's in me, that's substantial, that's foundational, that will never change. It doesn't change with the world as the world goes through its ways. This has been the same from the beginning. It's the same today. It'll be the same forever. I am substantial for your joy. It don't mean a thing without the ring. Do you not understand the miracle that your name is written in heaven. We saw it twice already in the scripture today. We saw Satan cast out of heaven like lightning. Why? For one moment of pride. In one moment of pride, the sin entered the presence of God and God said, not today, <laughs> sent down for one moment. We saw Adam and Eve in the garden living in perfect communion with God eating an apple that God told them not to eat. That is the perfection of God on display, the holiness and righteousness of God on display. The level is so high, it's perfection. There are no blemishes, there are no sins, there is nothing here. The level is so high to the point that one thing took Lucifer out of the presence of God. Do you not understand the miracle that you are allowed there? Do you not understand? That if you've done one thing against the will of God, if you've done one thing that goes against what God has led us to do or told us to do, then we deserve the same punishment, which is eternal separation from God. He was cast down to the realm of the dead. That is the result of our sin. That is the punishment of our sin, eternal separation from God. And when I think about the miracle that God looks at me in all my mess and says, I still want you, I still love you. Come to me, I'm gonna buy the suffering that you deserve on my behalf. I just have this picture in my mind around my neck. I have this picture in my mind of the perfect unblemished Jesus who's even speaking in this story just months later, hanging there, bruised and broken, cut up and spit on with a crown of thorns, with broken ribs, with slashes in his back. A perfect man, a man who never did any wrong. A man who when God said turn right, he turned right. When God said jump, he jumped. Everything that God told him to do, he did perfectly. He fulfilled the will of God perfectly. Yet every single thing that you and I ever did, he said, you know what, I wanna take it from you. I wanna buy it from you. I wanna take it on me. And by my stripes, you are healed. By my wounds, you are healed. By my death, you have the opportunity to take on the perfection that I lived in. And Jesus hanging there in the darkest moment in history, when God once looked at Jesus and said, my son, I love you. When Jesus took on all of the sin of humanity, God turned his back on Jesus in the darkest moment. And Jesus stood there and he said, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why are you leaving me? But why? It's because your and my sin could not be in the presence of God. God could not look at Jesus and say, my son, until three days later. When Jesus rose from the grave, 
defeating the sin, defeating the death, taking it all so that you and I didn't have to suffer it. So that you and I could say, you know what? I know it's not about the regular season. I know I don't need to live for these temporary battles. I know that I don't need to live for the success that I can get in this lifetime, for the money I can get in this lifetime, for the relationships I can have, for the stature I can have, the followers I can have. I don't need to live for any of that. I can live for the eternal security that was provided for me on the cross. I don't wanna be like the Patriots and go 16 and 0 and lose the championship. I want the ring. I want the ring, I could go 0 and 82, I could lose every battle, I could lose every game. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I can live with an eternal perspective and say, Jesus, I'm yours, Jesus. I wanna be with you, Jesus. I accept you, Jesus. Everything that you are, I want it. Jesus, everything that you have, I want it. Jesus, all of you, none of me, take away my sin, Lord. I wanna put it on you and I love you. I love you because you took it from me willingly when you didn't need to, but you chose to because you loved me more. In this moment, we can make a decision. We have the ability because of what Christ did for us to say, God, I am available. I want to give you an opportunity right now, wherever you are. You might be on your couch, you might be in the car. I don't know where you are when you're listening to this right now, but God knows where you are. He's looking at you. He knows what's been stirring in your heart because he put it there. He knows what you've been going through. He knows what you've been feeling. He knows the shame that you have about your past. He knows the things that are in your mind, the reasons that you're saying, I can't do this today. I can't do this right now. He knows every one of those thoughts and he's saying, just give, me, just give it to me. Just give me a chance. I'll, I'll show you, I'll show you. So wherever you are, I just want to give you an opportunity right now to just bow your head and say, Jesus, I want to make myself available to you. Jesus, I don't want to, I don't want to live for the temporary things that I've been living for. Jesus, it's so tiring chasing after joy and finding it and then losing it and finding it and losing it. It's so sad, my life, with the anxiousness that I experience for trying to have control over my own joy, Lord. God, I want to give my life to you. God, change my perspective. Allow me to live in light of what you have done. God, right now, I just ask for forgiveness for what I've done. And I thank you for what you have done for me, Lord. I love you. I want to follow you. And I accept what you've given to me. In Jesus' name, amen. you're someone who made that decision during this recording um, we're gonna have a link down below that you can email us we'd love to send you a gift we've got a packet for you um, with a Bible and a reading plan and also we just love to get connected with you um, and we'll have one of the elders reach out to you um, if you made that decision right now first of all this room is celebrating for you and more than us celebrating you, we don't really mean anything, but there's a God in heaven who's looking down on you so proud that you get to spend eternity with him. My challenge for everybody this week is that we would allow Jesus to change our perspective. We would allow Jesus to come into our hearts, to come into our minds, and we would say, you know what, I'm going to rejoice in my salvation, something that will never end, something that the devil can never take from me, something that this world can never take from me. And we're going to do that. I'm going to do this, and I challenge you guys to do it. I want you to rename your alarm in the morning. 
and I just wanted to say rejoice in the miracle meaning rejoice in the miracle of your salvation. Every morning we should wake up with that mindset of God, I'm so thankful and I can praise you because no matter what I come across today, no matter what I experience today, I know what is secured. I know what is eternal. I know that in you, I have everything I need and no matter what happens today, no one can take that from me. So that's your challenge for this week. We love you. Thanks for watching. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.